I think managing your own expectations. I mm-hmm. wouldn't, I wouldn't, we all want to manage our customers' expectations, but we forget about us. <laughs> well, you know, when I get into a business, I know there's going to be a lot of hurdles. I know there's going to be an issue. So when those, the, those issues do come, you remember, oh yeah, that's what I expected. Instead of getting frustrated, stressed out about it, you work through it because you know it's has, it has to happen. There's going to be frustrations. There's going to be things that don't go right. And mm. for the rest of your life, there's going to be things that don't go right. So if you can expect to expect the unexpected, you probably can handle those a little better. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the episode and uh, Brian Fleck. And to give you a bit of a a background on Brian, so at uh, age seven, he started selling lemonade um, (laughs) and he decided that he hated high school and just wanted to get a diploma and wanted out, graduated from high school and he was out, but he didn't necessarily know what he wanted to do. So he did a a few service jobs, um, did a startup or did a startup for grocery delivery. That was, I think, a bit before his time, painted houses, did a bit of odd jobs, I think did uh, a few different waiter jobs different restaurants um also i think got into poker and gambling a little bit if i remember right um but then uh wasn't uh, wasn't or said he wasn't good at money or managing money he could make money but wasn't necessarily good at managing money when he was doing poker and whatnot um and then started a industrial supply uh career um and then uh, kind of jumped around, did that for a period of time, and I think continues to do it, um, and also wanted or got into trucking a bit. Um, and so with all of that, um, pivoted or continues to do some of that, but also really got into weights, which is weight plates and weight building and uh, making some of those supplies and doing that. And he'll discuss a little bit more of what that is and what they do when the, or along his journey. But with that much as an introduction, welcome onto the podcast, Brian. Thank you, Devin. I appreciate it. So I gave the very fast, quick run through of everything of your journey and it didn't do, I'm sure didn't do it near the amount of justice. So let's go back a little bit in time. So you started selling uh, lemonade at seven years old and pick it up from there. Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, thank you again for having me, by the way. I do appreciate it. This I'm <laughs> looking forward to this, just kind of detouring from packing boxes to now a podcast to going back to pick up product to go pick it up again. So um, anyway, so basically let's see, seven years old. I don't know if I can remember before that, but I've always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit that I wanted to do something for myself. I saw mm-hmm. people work their their butts off in corporations or in other jobs and then get to a certain point, you get 60, 65, they retire, but I didn't seem like there was any, you just worked so hard to get basically nothing at the end of it for good retirement fund. And things have changed mm-hmm. since you know 30 years ago. Um, now it's really got to take care of yourself more and more so I decided back then I was like, I, I can't rely on anybody. Um, mm. So I sold lemonade for fun. And I used to, there was a subdivision that I grew up in that was a newer subdivision. So they were building houses mm. and I would go to the contractors, to the workers and sell lemonade to them. And I remember one specific scenario where I was selling them, I think for a quarter of drink just for, you know, lemonade. And mm. I had, bucket i drove on a wagon i went to this one house that was being built and the guy literally tried to swindle a little kid i don't know why but he did <laughs> he said hey i'll give you a dollar for everything you got in that bucket and i was like okay i had this much left that's <laughs> fine with me so i gave him that and i was like thank you have a good day so he basically paid a dollar for a 25 cent glass and i was like you 
don't you, you gave me the opportunity so i gave it to you um <laughs> but at the end of the day you, you the customer was always you know, want to take care of them um mm. so good but start with lemonade and then i got a little older i don't know a little older i say 10 years old mm. i decided we lived by a forest uh and me and my buddy said we should dig up the trees and put them in buckets and sell them and start a nursery and well, let's just say that didn't last very long because they we don't know what they were doing but we tried and uh we dug up some trees which was probably not good for the environment and i feel bad about it but you know we tried to put them back i'm sure they grew or something happened to them <laughs> or they died but either way at some point something happened to them yeah something happened so it worked for the foliage it went in the ground it's all good <laughs> so that's right um but so now maybe fast forward. So then, you, you know, you do those scenes and I, I always, I love the, that. And I, I wish I'd honestly, so I was entrepreneur as a kid and probably did that. You know, I tried some of those, uh, not a lemonade stand. I think it was a snow cone station. I, okay. we were on the bad location, busy street. Nobody ever stopped. So I never, never went anywhere, but I always had those little ideas, but I always say it's cool when people are, you know, as a younger age, one is if you take initiative and then two, you know, saying, Hey, I'm going to figure out, you know, if I need money or I need to do something, I'm going to figure out to do it rather than rely on parents or other things. So I always think that's yeah. cool and try and always inspire my kids to, to do the same. But so now you, you kind of fast forward a bit till high school and you kind of were, wanted to get out or get out of high school, get the degree, get out and uh, move on with your life. So maybe uh, jump to a little bit about, about that and tell us how that went. Yeah. Yeah. And first of all, lemonade, you don't have to pay taxes on it. So that's good. That's the best part <laughs> of that. But um, so high school, you know, to be transparent, I absolutely hated school. I hated high school because they had an agenda and what their curricula had to be. And I was like, I don't like this. I want to be able to do what I want. Um, so basically I got D's and C's and mm. the way through school. I know my senior year, I missed 36 days of school because I just didn't want to be there. And I knew if I missed one more, I couldn't graduate. So of course I did what I needed to do to graduate. So I get out or else I'd have more misery than I mm. thought was. Um, but what I learned from that experience is kind of a sales aspect of it because I was never a bad kid or anything. I just didn't want to be in school. So mm. I learned if I just told the teachers or if I told the Dean and what they wanted to hear or what, what I needed to do and just was transparent. Say, Hey, I don't want to be here. I'll do what you need me to do, but I'm not going to do any more. Um, mm. Sounds really bad, but they got to the point where like, Brian's a good kid. Just let him get out of here. <laughs> be done. <laughs> so, and I kind of knew what I was doing anyways. I was going to go to get, try to get associate's degree. And I figured mm. if I get a D C A B, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to the next step. There's no use in putting in more work uh, for this mm. aspect, which three, you know, it's complete 180. Now that I'm here in the work life, it's like, I'm doing more work than ever imagined. So just mm. kind of a little later, but um, yeah, I mean, high school, I was able to, to talk my window, like the honors classes for like econ and some of the history classes. Cause you had to have mm. a certain GPA to do that. But I just said, Hey, I just want to be here. And they mm. said, okay, come on in. I would get A's in that class. Cause that's what I wanted to do. Mm. But like math, I was like, I don't want to do it. So I'm gonna get a D get out. Um, there's a lot of arguments, of course, with the parents, <laughs> with the teachers and just saying, I don't want to be here. Leave me alone. But, uh, yeah, so I got out of high school. Finally. So, so now you so you said, okay, you beat the system where you, you stuck through the system. You got out of high school. You said, okay, now what am I going to do? And so how did you kind of, it sounds like you kind of ping ponged around a bit or tried a few things out or wasn't quite <laughs> sure. So how did that kind of, you, you got out of high school, you decided that wasn't what you wanted to do. What did you, how did you figure out what you wanted to do? I still don't know what I do, but I just, I mean, it's, I don't think I ever want to know what I want to do. Let's put it that way. But 
Where did you after high school? I'll, I'll rephrase my question. That's a fair That's okay. answer. Where did you want? Where did you start out? So you graduate and said, "Okay, I've got to do something, or I've got to, you know, make an income, or start to, you know, do something with my life, so to speak." So how did you kind of figure out what was the next step? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think I was kind of living, you know, at my parents' house, mm. and I did some. We had a person down the road who did contractor. They were a contractor, so they hired me on just as a laborer. I uh, went to residential houses and went in some nice houses in Barrington, which is a nice, very affluent area that has like all the, I want to say the, uh, the representatives in Illinois mm-hmm. to live over there. So I got mm-hmm. to see some of their nice houses. Uh, but so I was there for six, seven months. And then I went into serving a restaurant. It just was basically to me easy money, but it taught me a lot of customer service and how to deal with the public. I mean, I've been in numerous restaurants and it's just a sales job, in my opinion. It's it, but people come to you. You have to find them, and mm-hmm. then you take care of them. And they give you money. I was like, I just gave you food that they made, and I walked it over, and you gave me money. Okay, cool. <laughs> so that's I, I enjoyed that a lot. It got to learn a lot, uh, meet a lot of people. So I did that for a while, um, and then I tried to do that weird odd job thing that you were talking about in regards to like helping, you know, seniors grocery shop or. Well, that's just back when I was 21, 22. So about fifteen years ago or so, 10, fourteen to fifteen years. Mm. So is that really, other than when you were younger and you did the lemonade stand and then the trees that didn't work out, is that kind of the first foray back into entrepreneurship of kind of trying to do your own thing and start it up? And, you know, even if it failed, it was a good learning experience or how did it go? Yeah. I mean, I played poker throughout that. Even my high school, I was going to play poker and probably Mm. shouldn't have been places where I was at, but I was. Mm. Um, (laughs) It was always in interesting environments, but I would make money off of that too. I remember going to a after poker and I was like 16 years old, I went to like a high school party and somebody broke into my car and stole my radar detector for speeding, like, so I could catch speeders, mm. but they didn't steal the money that I won was 700 bucks the tournament, like two hours before that in the middle of the council. So I was like, whatever, take it. So I would, I won a lot of tournaments in that. That's mm. how I kind of supported myself too during high school, not having mm. asked for money. So, but uh, that was probably my first, yeah, getting back in the odd job thing. That's probably my first kind of back at the entrepreneurial aspect because mm. I wanted to do it. So I tried it. I didn't know anything about business. I knew nothing really. When you, I knew mm. I need to make money, but do I know anything else? You know, do I have to write a contract for these people? Do I have to have some kind of receipt? Do I have to pay taxes on this? I don't know. I'm just going to go do something. Um, mm. I learned that the hard way. Uh, mm. I, there was a job that the guy didn't fill out a contract for him. I went in there and tried to do the, the painting for his house he wanted. And then he kept adding things on and mm. paying me the same amount. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I, I, but I didn't have a contract to prove this is what I'm doing. Mm. So lesson learned hard way. I think I was a little bit ahead of my time when it comes to trying to get people to sir, bring food to them, go to the mm. grocery shopping. It's almost like an Angie list or an Uber or a, um, yeah, like that? an Uber eats type of a thing or the grocery kind of pickup type of a thing. So, yeah. So now you did that, you know, you kind of in and out, you're doing poker, you you know, doing a few entrepreneur things and then, you know, kind of circling back, you know, you said poker, I think you mentioned you got out because you could make money at it, but you weren't a good money manager. Is that right? Or is that? <laughs> no, I, I did. I did online poker a lot too. And mm. I remember making, winning some big pots, but I never kept the money. Let's put it that way. It was the bankroll management was not good. Um, I read a lot of books on it to do better at that, but I wanted, I was, I, I enjoyed it more than I actually wanted to make money off it which mm. is a sad part. Um, so I, but I still did that in between everything. 
still did all the online. And then they kind of got rid of the big online poker uh, platforms in Illinois, at least. Mm. And I was not able to do the same kind of poker that I used to. Uh, so <laughs> stepped out of it a little bit and went and kind of got a corporate job. Finally, <laughs> I decided I'm going to go industrial supplies. Like this is easy. I need, if I want to go farther, I need to get some experience. So, so, so you said, okay, finally, you're going to go work for the man, so to speak, or work for industrial supplies, work for a bigger company. Um, and you did that for, you know, and I think you're still doing that. Is that right? Working for the man? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not. A, I won't work for me, but I'm still working for somebody, all the customers, customers per se. But no, I got out of working for a corporation back in right before COVID in 2019. Okay, perfect. I was some reason I was thinking that you were doing uh, medical supply sales as well. Is that that? I uh, am, but that's that's my. Oh, my oh gotcha. That was where my wires got crossed. My apologies. So, that's so you okay. did that for a period of time, and you said, "Okay, I'm gonna go work for the big, you know, or bigger business. You know, get that experience." What was the reason that you decided to, you know, was that a good experience or was it kind of pushing against the grain of, hey, I'm really just like to do my own thing, kind of like high school. I don't want to do the things that I, that I don't have control over. Kind of what was that and what made you kind of transition out and kind of uh, lead you up to where you're at today? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely push it against the grain. Like Nobody listens to you, to, to me per se. Um, mm. You think you have these good ideas, but they're like, no, that's how we do it. Deal with it. Okay. I mean, what do you hire me for if we don't, if we can't innovate? It doesn't make sense. So, um, but I worked at Fastenal for a year and I learned a lot about, cause we ran a, I ran a whole branch technically by myself. We had a general manager, but he never showed up. He was just kind of <laughs> back and forth anytime he wanted to. So I had to do everything by myself. So I learned a lot about invoicing, collect collections, talking to vendors, uh, shipping, receiving, what our cost is, how to put the margins in it, all the stuff that goes into business. So, hmm. um, luckily that was a huge stepping stone to my next step where I went into another industrial supply company called RSUs. And I, they're very old school. I actually loved it there, but their money wasn't what I wanted. I hmm. tried to, after about four years, I asked for more money because I was like, my sales are good, but I'm getting penny paid much more. Hmm. So, uh, end up going to another smaller company. They paid me more. Didn't last long. Then I got into industrial compressors. So a more engineered technical sale learned hmm. a lot. Um, I was there for about a year and a half. And then I got, again, trying to step up in the corporate world. I got kind of dragged away from another corporation that did compressors too. And they offered me a pretty penny. So I was like, okay, I'll go this way. Turns out that was not worth it. <laughs> but it didn't matter how much they paid me. I hated that place. Um, mm. they, they were, yeah, they don't get details of course, but it's part of my journey. But along that journey to put into perspective, my mother had a company called Ktrox and she still does. That's what I'm kind of on the side of that as well. Mm. So for about seven years during that all industrial supplies, the compressor thing, I was on the side kind of building that up so I could just jump into that. So mm. I'd build up relationships with vendors and, and kind of get them on board with Ktrox and try to put some customers on the side. Um, so that I have something to step on when I left mm. the corporation. Um, so 2019, November, I was going to quit. My job, where I was at the, I, but I wanted to wait because I had the top sales that they had. So I was waiting for that commission check, like one more thing. They fired. It's always a good time. You always want to wait till you get past the commission check or past the, the end of the year bonus before you make that exit, right? You would think so. Um, but we had, I mean, it was going to be a good amount of money, but me and the VP of the company didn't get along. Mm. Uh, and then uh, basically, right before I was going to quit, they fired me before they invoiced anything out. So I was like, all right. 
this is silly. What did I do all this work and work 15 hours a day for when you just get rid of me after I finally get something going, even though it's quit anyways, but <laughs> that's a different story. Don't tell them that they know now, but <laughs> it, uh, so now, so, really and so that was 2019 that you kind of jumped over, started doing your your own thing, and uh, left the left the corporate. Was it 19 or 20? Sorry, I couldn't remember. It was 2019. Um, so November, he, they fired me on my birthday, November 5th, 19, 2019. Um, so <laughs> I was I was grateful though. I was like kind of relieved, but also like, uh, because now okay, well I get unemployment, I guess, but it's not really worth anything. Mm. When, you, when you really put it down, you're like, I can get it, but doesn't pay any bills that I was used to. Hmm. So, um, so, 2018, so you get, you know, you get let go, but or butt heads with the VP. You said, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to go back to working for someone else. And so you kind of started to work with the, the family business or run that and then to, or to participate in that. And then you also started your own business or, or along that way, you started the, the business you're doing now, which is also with the weights. Is that right? Yeah. So that came out of, I want to say like, uh, serendipity in my opinion i mean i hate to say covid was horrible and is horrible but mm -hmm. it's helped a lot of people too and some if you you know there's always opportunities and tragedies mm -hmm. uh but with i don't say that, i always put it there i think there's opportunities and change whether that's good change yeah. bad change whenever there's a change in the marketplace that forces people to adjust re or reanalyze or do something different it creates opportunities and so i think yeah. that you know covid certainly created a big change in the marketplace and daily lives which then creates opportunities to where you can say how do we now address those changes that sounds a lot better than i said it yeah <laughs> put it that way um so 2019 November, that's when I went on my own to KTROX, which is a, the family business, just me and my mother, basically. But I've grown it to a point that we were able to get a lot of distributors like the 3Ms of the world, those kind of people that, mm. you know, big names that we just go into manufacturing plants or industrial plants and try to improve on their process. But ultimately, that's a value added service and our we make money off distribution. Mm. Um, we tell them they need tape, if they need meta, you know, uh, safety supplies or production supplies, cutting tools, we go and work on that and get the right thing for them. Mm. But you know, let's just fast forward maybe three, four months to COVID when that actually hit like a, what is it, late March or so. We, uh, I was making a presence on LinkedIn before that, which I'm glad I did or else I would have had a hard uphill battle because you couldn't go visit anybody. Yeah. Um, March hit, COVID hit. Luckily, I'm in safety supplies, as a, and we do a lot of that. So I had a lot of connections, but it was a lot of late nights because I figured, okay, <laughs> I got to talk to China all the time now. So I'm up all through the hours and trying to supply people with with uh, three ply mask or anything they need. Which, you know, I figured we're going to get some more customers here long term. But customers just think they need it now; they don't think about long term, and they mm -hmm. forget about you after you took care of them. So, and that's you know, it could be my fault too, but. Uh, cause I didn't follow up with them afterwards all the time because I get so busy. I'm only one person. So mm. then so now, April so now give me that. So you're doing that. You're saying, okay, yeah. COVID hits, we got to pivot. We got to adjust. We're in, uh, you know, looks, there's a presents, a, you know, the potential for an opportunity to a pivot and, and expand the business. Now, how did, cause you also do the weight plate business, right? Where yep. you're working on, uh, you know, making it so you can have thinner weights to, to allow people to bench press more. How did you get into that side of the business or get that idea for a startup and kind of or get into there? Yeah. So that was going to be the next statement in April. I actually, um, work with a manufacturing association that has 800 plus manufacturers locally here in Chicago. Mm. And I was like, 
I want some weights for myself. I, I can't go to the gym. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they can make something. They're manufacturers. They make anything they want. So I reached out to the organization. They contacted pretty much 800 of them. And then they, whoever wanted to talk with me did. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, guy says, yeah, we can cut it in a circle and make you a plate. Here you go. Okay, cool. So I got it. It weighs exactly the same. It sounds awesome. Mm. Um, why is my phone going up? Sorry, Google's telling me. I thought I said something about Google, but it was listening to me. Um, so everybody, big brother's always listening. That's okay. I need a big brother <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> so uh, I made some plates for myself. And then I figured, oh, maybe I can make a couple more and maybe sell them on Facebook to help some people out because I know there's a huge shortage of weights right now and I can help mm. some people. Well, so I put on Facebook, started. After about a month, it started getting popular. People wanted them more. Mm. So I started increasing inventory. And then I said, well, I'll make a website. Let's make it, make it easier from the order. Uh, then I started figuring out different coding processes. That started, mm. why am I, what are these weights good for? I mean, they're great. I can see that. But what are they really? What is their value into that market? Mm. So I found out being so thin because they're made of solid steel, accurate. If it's 45 pounds, it's 45 pounds. Mm. It's not like 44.3, 48.2. It's nothing like that, like cast iron plates are. So I started gearing my audience to power lifters because they can get a lot more on that bar when there's only such a limited amount of space and people have been liking them. And we just kind of adjusted some coatings and we're just continuing to adapt as it going. And last year without, with only me marketing, really, there's no other marketing I had. Mm. We did $164,000 in sales, which it's, it's, we don't make any money off it yet, but (laughs) we did the sales that counts for anything. It means there's an audience. So that's good. No, it, it proves the concept, proves the audience. It gives you a foundation to start building things off of and then expanding it. So I think that's cool. And, you know, that's a lot of times when you're getting going on a startup or a small business, your first, you know, first thing is to figure out the product. The next thing is to figure out if there's a demand or an audience and then figure out how to scale it and make it, uh, you know, profitable and, and make it uh, worthwhile to pursue. So it sounds like you're well on your journey to that. Well, when you yeah. look at now between, you know, so you're kind of doing the the family business, you're also doing the weights business, now looking kind of out to the six to 12 months kind of time frame, where do you see things heading or what's in, what's in store for you? Yeah, I see having more time to go sell more because I'm streamlining as much as I can. I'm getting a fulfillment company. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with one, let's put it that way, to get, pack all my, stock it there, pack everything, ship it out on my behalf because, you know, it, it'll help me be more proactive in the sales process and also with the, with the mm-hmm. industrial and safety supplies with the weight plates. And then I'm also kind of looking at another business that we want to try. Um, mm-hmm. And actually juices. <laughs> so it's uh, there's something that we can private label and they make it locally down here and they make a lot of different recipes. So look at an e-commerce platform on that as well. And they do the well. fulfillment for us. If you're, if you're like any, any, like any other entrepreneur and certainly like me, I always have 20 ideas that I want to pursue by the, by the end of the day. And, you know, by the end of the day, I've decided that 19 or 20 of them are bad ideas, but every so often I'll have that one idea. That's just a great one that you continue to pursue, expand, get additional diversity and and have a a fun time at it. So it sounds like a great uh, path uh, towards the future and uh, and one that uh, will hopefully be successful. Well, as we've now kind of gone through your journey, I always have two questions I ask at the end of each journey. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? <laughs> um, probably expecting that I was going to make money. <laughs> no, I mean, right away, put it that way, right away. I think you, 
you get into this, these businesses and assuming that, okay, this is what it costs. This is what I'm going to sell it for. Then you forget about all the other variables involved. So um, the business decision wasn't much of like a one decision. It was more of uh, all the little trial and errors along the way that you adapt to. So mm. I don't know. I don't think anything's a bad business decision when you think about it, because you learn from it. I mean, is it bad? Yeah, maybe if you look back like that was stupid, but at the same time, I won't do that again. I learned from that. Now I know how to adapt differently. So sure. No, I think there are bad business decisions, but you can always take the opportunity to learn and become better and to grow from those decisions. So there are decisions. If you th- if you were to go and throw away a million dollars, you'd probably say that was a bad idea or a bad decision, but it doesn't mean you can't learn from it or you can't grow from it. So I think that that's a, you know, I think I, I agree with you there. The other thing is, you know, talking about, you know, I think that we've been a bit conditioned, whether it's, you know, watching Shark Tank or movies or television shows or other things, that everybody is an overnight success. You go, you have a great idea, you build it, you put it up on Facebook or you put it up there and it just takes off and is viral. And But what always misses, and that's why I always love to kind of talk through everybody's journeys, is there's a lot of work or a lot of journey and a lot of work and effort and experience that goes into building that overnight success that you never don't usually hear about and you don't usually see. And so I think that, you know, that expectation that you're going to just make or be rich on day one so to speak is one that a lot of people get into falsely but i think is one that you know definitely to learn from that there is that time and effort and growth that takes place for to let a business mature yeah no and i wanted to say one more thing on the business decision aspect Mm. i think a lot of people look at a decision and don't remember don't actually see the result they look at the decision it should be separate from the results you make a bad decision, you make a good decision. The result could be good. The result could be bad, but you can't make a decision and say that was a good, good result after the fact. That makes sense. Cause I can make a bad decision and have a really good result or vice versa. So mm. they're, they're contradicting themselves and you need to, to separate those a little bit sometimes too. Cause if I fire somebody it could be the best decision at the time, but later the result could be bad. So we got to separate those and just make a decision and results mm. come. No, I completely agree. So now, as we jump to the second question, which is, um, if you're talking to somebody that's, and it maybe overlaps a little bit with what we just discussed, but we'll hit on it anyway. If you're talking to somebody that just is just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I think managing your own expectations. I mm-hmm. wouldn't, I wouldn't, we all want to manage our customers' expectations, but we forget about us. <laughs> well, you know, when I get into a business, I know there's going to be a lot of hurdles. I know there's going to be an issue. So when those, the, those issues do come, you remember, oh yeah, that's what I expected. Instead of getting frustrated, stressed out about it, you work through it because you know it's has, it has to happen. There's going to be frustrations. There's going to be things that don't go right. And mm. for the rest of your life, there's going to be things that don't go right. So if you can expect to expect the unexpected, you probably mm. can handle those a little better. Um, and that's, that's about it. Nothing's going to go right <laughs> all the time. Now, I've never quite figured out how to expect the unexpected, or at least I don't know what the unexpected is. So it's, I think it's a <laughs> expect that things are going to not be or turn out how you add or you don't know what the unexpected is but something yeah. unexpected will happen but having kind of that grit and determination and understanding hey everything's not going to go just exactly how i thought about or how i plan i might as well expect that and be willing to navigate and to pivot and to adjust according to it i think is a, is a great piece of advice well, well as- that's why you're doing the interviewing because you can make it and tweak my words into a nice way of saying it. <laughs> that's right i get the easy job so, well, as we wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, they want to find out more, they want to be a customer, they want to be an investor, they want to be, um, you know, an employee, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out and find out more? I mean, you can go to my LinkedIn, which is Brian Fleck, F-L-E-C-K, uh, mm-hmm. like a spot in the world. 
And then you can find me, it's, you're going to find me under KTROX, the letter K-T-R-O-X, or you can mm -hmm. type in, wait it out, like wait, like a wait play, W-E-I-G-H-T it out.us or .com. Um, but otherwise, we can probably put some contact info on, on this, right? And just say, <laughs> Absolutely. I think, no, I think that's a, that's a great way uh, to, for people to reach out to and definitely encourage people to, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on the website or anything else, check you out, be a supporter, um, you know, find out more and uh, definitely uh, and, uh, do, or do, or do your job or do the participate in, uh, in helping you to grow the business. Well, as we wrap up, first of all, thank you for coming on. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell, um, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Apply to be on the podcast. Love to hear your journeys. If you're a listener, also do a couple additional things. One, if you uh, click subscribe on your podcast listener so you get notifications as all these awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about the podcast as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents or trademarks, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Brian. It's been fun to have you on. It's been a pleasure, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much, Devin. I appreciate all your time, and uh, thank you. 